Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and our live streams, which is super fun, at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpop. Woo! Welcome back, boys. We're still all separate. I can't see. Yeah. We're all separate, but we ha- and we've had a few weeks off, but at least we're back together in an audio Yay. way, even if in we're not way. in the same studio <laughs> together yet. Kyle, I've sent you like 40 messages 40 messages. Yeah, I've sent you like 40 messages to be on my TV show and you've not replied to any of them. And I also questioned how many people were in your house. But mainly... <laughs> yeah, fucking fun police over here. I was like, uh, you can get fucked. Count the people. You know who lives in this house. I did not break any laws. So <laughs> fact. <laughs> and also, I'm one of those people that believe if you just ignore your problems, they'll go away. So It says scene. I can see them. <laughs> well, you can <laughs> exactly ignore them, Kyle. You asked me how to get out of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just keep asking. I feel uh, like you asked cool once. Here. Also, what show? It's going to be big, and and you're going to regret it. But I just <laughs> I, I thought we were better friends than that, Kyle. So that's just what on quiet. earth gave you that impression? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Let's let's talk about something pleasant. And joining us this week um, is Nicholas Stewart, a queer lawyer, here to talk to us about finally getting some justice for a horrific gay crime that actually happened in the eighties. And a content warning that there is. Some triggering uh, content in this interview uh, in regards to suicide. So just a heads up to our listeners that there are some um, touchy topics in there. Now, we have been off for about two weeks, which hasn't stopped people from um, sending in their hard-pressing questions for us um, and wanting our advice on things. <laughs> um, so this one is to Tom, our resident animal fairy. Uh, so poppers is supposed to be available behind chemist counters as of mm. February this year. Um, so do we know what's going on with that doll? 
Yeah, well, have any of you tried to buy poppers in the last couple of months? I've never tried to buy poppers ever. <laughs> I don't buy them. You know. <laughs> yeah, you I, I bought some probably like a month and a half ago just from a sex yeah. shop in the Fitzroy area. <laughs> in the northern Real Melbourne. Brilliant. In the northern <laughs> exact location. Yeah, well, um, it's interesting. A, a lot of people might remember uh, sort of towards, well, for a lot of last year, there was a big conversation where um, the therapeutic uh, goods what are they called? The Therapeutic Goods Ad- Administration. Administration. Ah. We're um, looking at banning AML, well, mm. what we would call AML nationwide at a federal level, which obviously caused a bit of an outrage amongst our community yeah. because we yeah. do use AML quite regularly. Um, so they, we, a lot of people, Stephen Spencer being one of them and doing an amazing job, but a lot of other people as well banded together to campaign against this and got a lot of people writing letters and that sort of thing, um, Mm -hmm. which meant that it was reviewed, which is great, and they came up with some other resolutions, some of which I think are great, some of which I personally don't think have been fantastic, but a lot of other people in the community have sort of said that they do think it's a good thing. But effectively, from the 1st of Feb this year, you cannot sell poppers from a sex shop. Now, what we call poppers, of course, is actually a lot of different nitrates. So there's amyl nitrate, which... We mm-hmm. often refer to all nitrates as amyl nitrate, but it's actually not the one that you most commonly buy. Um, there's a lot of different ingredients that can have similar effects in there. In fact, the one that you most likely buy if you're buying poppers in Melbourne is called um, isobutyl nitrate. That one you're going to need a prescription for now to buy. So you, you can get one from a doctor right. and it can be to have sex with. It can be to say, I... Therapeutic sex, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's, it's considered therapeutic, so you can get it. A... Yeah. The problem is I don't believe that there's anyone that's actually producing it at a pharmaceutical grade yet for it to be sold Uh. in chemists. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also amyl nitrate, which now we can buy over the counter theoretically again Mm -hmm. at a chemist. Um, So you won't need a prescription for that. But again, there's no one as far as I'm aware or that I can find out that's selling it at a pharmaceutical grade in Australia. So for it to be sold in Australia, the TGA would have to do a whole lot of tests and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And no company is, you know, focusing on that. It's a cost a lot of money to get something passed by the yeah. TGA and sold in Australia. You can buy it overseas if with a script as long as you've got the person that's sending it to you is attaching the script to the package. Having oh, said that, so it won't be intercepted by customs. Yeah, the same the same way that people were buying prep before you could get it in Australia. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, okay. the, I mean, and also, you know, a lot of people were buying AML in states where you couldn't buy AML via the internet and through mail mm. and getting it successfully anyway prior yeah. to all of these rules. And look, I, like you said, Mikey, you managed to buy some already over the counter yeah. since the bans come in. A mm. lot of places were selling it illegally beforehand, and so a lot of places are going to continue selling it illegally. They might just yeah. be a bit more careful about how yeah. they're going to sell look, it. I half expect you to be selling them out of your backyard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Like a little lemonade I am holding that shit. No, that's, that's worth more than its weight in fucking oh, true. silicon yeah, lube. Like I'm not going to be <laughs> selling that ammo for anything. Nah. Of course, one of the upsides is, you know, that there were people getting arrested and stuff, mm. very rarely, but it did happen, for mm. having uh, amyl nitrate on them in some places. And, of course, now that it is legal, that means that you, you will be able to carry it. But one of, one of the other good things, I guess, that's come out of it is that there's evidence that um, isopropyl nitrate and n-propyl nitrate yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and this is why it's hard. Well, I, it's a good point, though, Kyle, because mm. we don't know the difference between all these different nitrates. No, we just I go with no a bottle. And when it's yeah. not regulated, you don't know what you're buying. And those two are the ones that can lead 
to serious damage in your eyes. Um, yeah. So those two have been banned completely, which is, of course, good news. Um, eye drops, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it is a good, you know, there's obviously a lot of bottles floating around that existed before the ban. So if you, if you are using AML and you are getting, like, floating bright spots or blurry vision, um, you should definitely stop taking that bottle and throw it out straight away. Oh, yeah. right. so, because right. it's not regular or it hasn't been regulated until now. No, they yeah. don't even have to print exactly what's on it. So right. even so if you do know what you're looking it. for, you still might not get the right one that, that you yeah. think you're getting. So yeah, That's look, it. it's 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 a bit of a shit that it's going to make it harder for people to mm. obtain. But I guess good news uh, that we are going to have a regulated industry and a lot safer, well, yeah. and much safer. Yeah. Um, and saying a bit more local, obviously because of coronavirus, a lot of businesses have closed. Unfortunately, one of our sex on premises sites, Club mm. Eighty, not one hundred percent sure what's going on with it, but the building that it is in was sold at the end of last year, and yeah. it looks like the developers that have bought it put out a plan they want to turn it into like an office space. What a change! So, Imagine yeah. working in that <laughs> office and being like, "These walls, wow, they've seen yeah. these." Walls could talk. (laughs) So, like, Club 80 haven't specifically said anything about what's going on. They obviously put out a thing saying they've cancelled a bunch of events. But, yeah, it's really strange. They haven't put out a statement saying if they're relocating or if they're permanently closed. I saw on Twitter someone filmed them, like, they were gutting the inside of the building, though. It oh, didn't really? Yeah. I don't know where, I don't know yeah, where yeah, that was going. Yeah. So Nick Hollis, who we had on the show uh, not that yeah. long ago, who's a Club 80 regular, posted a, a video on Twitter of a lot of the, the, the fittings being ripped out of the building. So I think it's pretty oh, safe yeah. to assume that it's not going to reopen. When yeah. they sold several months ago, they mm. were pretty clear about what's going to happen to the place, but we were told it wouldn't be for quite a while and there'd be a big send-off and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sadly. for Look, I, I asked a few people that work in the industry and they were saying um, from what they know, it looks like that they were planning on waiting a while until they reopen, until they close. Yeah. But with COVID and everything, it's just, you know, it's worked out better both for the, the people running the business and for the people uh-huh. that own the building to sort of do that just process. Early. Early, it, yeah. is, it is a bit of a shame though, not to have had an announcement from the guys that run the place. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are human beings and they're probably pretty hurt and pretty sad that they're having to close the place up, but it would be nice Absolutely. for the, the punters hmm. to know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So everyone give someone else a bit of a wet one. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it just means that when on Wellington's going to be even busier. Even oh busier. Which will be fun. <laughs> Although I don't know how it's going to work with social distancing. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm big. Wild. I'm not that big, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gosh. Yeah. When, when will the announcement be that sex clubs open? <laughs> like, what's that part I mean, of I cafe? assume whenever gyms reopen, because we all know what the fuck's going on in the Virgin Active Melbourne oh, City yeah. men's toilets. Like, yeah. It's yeah. probably more sanitary than a gym. Yeah, yeah, I would say so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. You'll ever slip on some semen at the gym? Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That would require going to a gym. (laughs) You know, know, they sold out at gym mats, yoga mats, because everyone's doing home workouts. Oh, yeah. So I had a roll of bubble wrap that I was using to send a painting to my dad, (laughs) daddy in Adelaide. And so I just cut it to the shape of a yoga mat. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I do my, my sit-ups on bubble. It pops and it's so stupid. <laughs> but um, we've had some really exciting news um, for our Victorian gender diverse and trans siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so some legislation has finally come through as of the 1st of May 2020 in Victoria, which removes a barrier that allows you to update or change 
the sex marker on your birth certificate without the need for gender reassignment or gender confirming surgery. Yes. Uh, so this is actually a huge burden off of a lot of people who mm-hmm. are looking to express their gender. You know, it, it, it means when they go see a doctor, for example, mm. their birth certificate is now, can now be correct without mm-hmm. the need for, for costly invasive surgery as well um so it's a it's a big win the legislation they started pushing it in 2019 who -hmm. knows with time nowadays but it officially became law may 1st so there are some really good things happening out in the world. Yeah, it's right nice now. to hear some good news. Yeah, it's it's fantastic news. I don't know if you guys saw um, Sally Goldner, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, wonderful trans mm-hmm. activist, posted her new birth certificate with her her gender corrected on it. Oh, I love and, that. And, oh, and just seeing that the, the yeah, just seeing that the hap- the joy that that brought for her. I don't mm. see why anyone was against it. I don't see why it had mm. to be a fight. Like it's such a simple thing that that doesn't really affect anyone else except for the person whose name's on that certificate. Totally. And yeah, yeah, to see the happiness that it's it, it can easily bring people. I'm so glad that it's finally, you know, being corrected. Mm. I love that like I was looking at all the different um sort of markers that you could put it under. I love that they've mm. included sister girl and brother boy for Aaron. Oh, amazing. Families, like I think that's well, yeah. so so good, and yeah. same with fafafine, which is a Samoan word for their third gender. It's so crazy to me that anyone would be scared or angry about these sort of changes. Like, uh, really, yeah. what what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about people that are just scared of change, and and we all have a little bit of that in us. I think a fear of change, but it's it shouldn't be that hard to sort of step back and look at if something is important to someone that perhaps it wasn't right in the first place, and perhaps change is a good thing. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and I guess it's all about educating the wider community about why mm. things like this are important. I thought you said white, the white. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was like, oh, Oh, it's true too. (laughs) She snapped. She snapped tonight. And just when you thought people couldn't get any more creative with their dick pics after doing lots of research, and I mean lots, (laughs) (laughs) Thirst Traps are out in full force, partaking in the shampoo challenge. Um, If you guys haven't heard of that, it is this thing taking over like Twitter, I think. It started from like an anime kind of furry kind of thing from a picture and then so it involves a person with a penis in their underwear like generally an erect penis in their underwear and balancing like a shampoo bottle on their hot dick i'm sending Mm. mine through right now Uh, (laughs) (laughs) luke i just got yours you weren't supposed to use one of those little hotel shampoos it's a (laughs) mini it's a cold (laughs) mini again so it's become like a real feat of strength now. Like people are packing like toiletry shelves at Coles. Like it's yeah. like a lot of products shelving up. But um, yeah, type it into Twitter and see what happens. I love it. I've it. seen a few of if my you... friends do it, and it's really yeah. freaked me out because they're not people that are. You know, when a friend posts a thirst trap, and oh, you're like yeah. uh, it's like seeing your your brother or your sister yeah. or something Ooh, naked. Yeah. Uh, I've and, seen a few uh, people post it where I'm like, you know, you should actually use that shampoo on your hair. You, I didn't realize uh, that you had shampoo in your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is it is very hot, uh, I have yeah. to say. It has, you know, sometimes when you're just like going about your business and something hot pops up in life and like, you're like, oh, shit, now I have to have a wank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's led to many, many wanks for me. Where something, it's just popped oh, up wow. on Instagram or, or Twitter and I've gone, oh, no. 
oh shit, now I have to go. <laughs> you know, do you know what's great lube? That. Shampoo. <laughs> yeah. It's not. That's a false. That's no. <laughs> it's not right. for regular sex, but it's fine for a wank. Yeah. Do you know one thing that I saw was like there was a few women who had done it. They put a strap on on and like they put underwear over the top. But then people yeah. were like having a go at them and it was just like, who gives a shit? Whatever. And so the few trans women came oh. forward who haven't had um their bottom surgery and i don't know if they want to or not but they came forward and they did the challenge and they Amazing. were just like suck on that like oh, i love <laughs> that it was brilliant. so good yeah brilliant <laughs> people will find any excuse to be transphobic it's so fucking stupid yeah i, th- I, oh I like God. i like the shampoo challenge because the the, the thing that's sexy about it is it leaves mm. like a little bit to the imagination. Yeah, it's kind of hotter because it's like the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, give you everything. It's just like, well, there's no mystery. We so rarely need to use our imaginations nowadays yeah. because yeah. you open your Twitter feed and it's like raw dogging up my fist. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's also just practical. I mean, my mother keeps most, like she doesn't have a handbag. Everything goes mm. down her bra. And now we know that, you know, perhaps that's where you could keep your wallet and your keys and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's, when you it's go a out. great idea. I mean, I remember working hospital hospitality and carrying three plates was a real feat but like yes. i mean if i know back when i'm a dick yeah here's your latte um, one other thing i'd love to plug before we get into mm-hmm. this uh episode if that's okay um i don't know if you guys saw but my my monthly uh comedy bingo night granny bingo that we do at the 86 uh we obviously haven't been able to do for the last couple of months so we're bringing it online uh, via zoom so uh you buy a ticket you get sent a link for a Zoom meeting uh, where you will be sent a link. <laughs> sent a link. I am on that. Sent a link. Sent a link. Job seeker payment. Yeah, your yeah that's how ticket. they're working out who gets job seeker now. You have to win bingo. <laughs> uh, no, we'll send you a link to a Zoom meeting and then you get to play. And then we send you another link, which is a online virtual bingo ticket. And you actually play oh. bingo with oh, the that. grannies online. And it will be, um, it's happening 7.30 p.m. Monday the 25th. And you have to have bought your tickets by 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Jump cool. onto the Granny Bingo social media if you want to play. Oh, it's going to be insane. It's going to be hilarious Let's and insane. Do it. <laughs> and also like 100 people on Zoom. I can't wait. Oh, my God. Good luck. <laughs> so in a landmark case for the LGBT plus community, an Australian man was arrested and charged last week with the murder of gay man Scott Johnson, whose naked body was found at the base of a cliff in Sydney's north in 1988. Hate crimes against gay people were a fixture of that time, and widespread homophobia ran rampant throughout a police force that labelled these deaths as suicides instead of murders they actually were. To discuss the breakthrough arrest after three decades, tonight we are joined by Nicholas Stewart, a partner at Dowson Turco Lawyers, a firm in New South Wales working closely with the queer community. Nick has been successful in campaigning for an inquiry into agency responses to LGBTI hate crimes and is a pro bono lawyer for Alan Rosendale, another 1989 gay bashing victim. Nick, thanks for helping our listeners to understand a little bit more about what's happening here. Thanks for having me. Um, Now, firstly, who was Scott Johnson? Scott was an American university student at the University of New South Wales, and um, he was known um, amongst his colleagues at the university as a super bright man who'd been studying mathematics and who had a future ahead of him as one of the, you know, primary mathematicians coming out of the University of New South Wales. Wow. He, w- he was just 
so bright. And his brother, Steve, who a lot of people know of, um, went on to be quite successful with his own academic mind using mathematics to create software. Mm -hmm. So last year, a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry into gay hate crimes found acceptance into violence against gay men in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Gangs patrolled the streets, cruising areas in plain sight because they knew the police wouldn't come after them. They also knew that the gay community were afraid of the police, so they wouldn't report the crimes. Scott Johnson's death was initially ruled a suicide, but did New South Wales police actually investigate these supposed suicide cases at all? In some cases, they did, but in most cases where gay men had fallen off cliffs or were found at the base of cliffs, more often than not, their deaths were ruled as suicides, and Scott's, unfortunately, was one of them. In fact, even up until last year, the New South Wales Police Force was still saying that Scott's death was a suicide. I think in, in Scott's case too, when he was murdered and a coronial inquiry has found that he was murdered or chased to his death, you know, the evidence that was there um, at the murder scene were his clothes and mm, they yeah. had been folded really neatly. He was found naked. You know, there were questions that any reasonable person would have asked themselves. You know, why would someone jump off a cliff naked? Yeah, yeah. And why would they fold up their clothes so neatly? And his wallet was never found. So there were, you know, questions to be answered. Yeah. Definitely. What we also know is that gay men, particularly during that time, um, were either in the closet or wore their sexuality quite conspicuously but in any event were vulnerable, were known not to fight back. Yeah. Um, we were known not to be masculine or seen to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were often just vulnerable victims because of our nature, because That's we are so sensitive. And I think, you know, these gangs and these individuals and young people targeted us because we are such an easy target, but also... At another level, there was a deep-seated kind of hatred for Mm. um, what the gay community represented or what the trans community represented. Namely, during that time, we were becoming more visible. We were, you know, finding our liberation. The gay rights movement was really um, enlivened in the late 70s and and throughout the 80s and then well into the 90s, you know. Mm -hmm. And... On top of that, we had, of course, the AIDS crisis and the Grim Reaper campaign, yeah, um, which was broadcast to television sets across Australia and to every little suburban household, these images of kids being bowled over by this bowling ball and this mm. awful kind of figure. Um, and then the association of that with gay men, you know, who... Yeah, it, it, it just brought so much upon us as a community. Um, and while it was a necessary campaign, you know, we had to, the government had to take action and instill fear in the community about this awful bias. But at the same time, the association was bleak. It, it suggested that gay men were perverse, that we um, carried a virus and that we were likely to spread it and that the heterosexual community should fear us. Um, And a huge part of this story has been the tireless work of Scott's brother, Steve, who refused to accept that his brother had jumped off a cliff. So when local police showed little interest in reopening Scott's case, Steve hired his own investigator, 
wouldn't arrests have been possible without Steve's determination, do you think? Look, I don't, I don't think so. I think Steve's played a, a huge role in this, but it's not quite the role that you would think because, you know, St- Steve, I mean, how beautiful to have oh, a, straight, a straight brother who just wants to fight for your legacy and identify, you know, the, who, who hurt you um, and find justice. What a beautiful man. Mm, um, yeah. He threw a lot of money at it and he, um, he lobbied the government very hard and he met with commissioners of police and senior police officers and he was accused of intervening or using his money and influence to oh, wow. um, involve himself in police investigations. Okay. Um, so to some extent I think a lot of just Steve's pressure and his enthusiasm for justice, the, the fact that he wouldn't give up I think is a large yeah. part of this. Um, and I think that also then triggered a record third coronial inquest. You know, mm-hmm. you had the first coronial inquest um, made no finding at all as to how Scott died. The second coronial inquest said that he suicided and the mm-hmm. third coronial inquest identified that he was in fact murdered or chased to his death. And it was only because of Steve's pressure that that came about. And as a result of that final coronial inquest, um, the New South Wales Police Force and the Commission of Police said, you know what, we need to deal with this now mm-hmm. and, and took some very senior detectives and put them on the case. And, you know, I give kudos to those detectives because yeah. they have identified someone and while that person should be presumed innocent until proven guilty, it's extremely positive that someone has been identified. For sure. Yeah. Totally. Um, so as you were saying, detectives arrested a 49-year-old man in uh, Lane Cove in Sydney last week. He's currently in custody now, and his next court appearance is scheduled for July. What can we expect the outcome to be there? Mm, it's funny, I grew up in Lane Cove. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a scary proposition. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I had chills down my spine. When wow. She's really close to home for you. Yeah, it is. And it's actually a really beautiful, leafy, mm. lower North Shore suburb, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, look... He hasn't, when he first appeared in court, he didn't apply for bail. I'm a criminal lawyer by trade and that's not what you do. You don't just rush into a bail application unless you're ready to, you know, you have all your ducks in a row and you're ready yeah. to make the arguments for bail. But it'd be interesting because when he's next in court, he may apply for bail. Mm-hmm. And if he does, we will get to know a lot about the case because during a bail application, the strength of the prosecution case is often put to the court by the prosecutor in a defence of a bail application to say to the court, look, you can't let this person out on bail because this is what we have on him and yeah. this is why we say he's a risk to the community. And on his side of things, he, he if he were to make a bail application, he would arguably say, look, this is, this is the weakness in the case. This is why I'm not the person you think I am or, you know, I don't know what I'm speculating here. But if he makes a bail application, we're going to find out a lot about this case. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact is that we don't know much at all. And, you know, I, I think the community, even though we should be um, celebrating the fact that the police have identified someone, we need to respect his legal rights and the presumption of innocence, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and get to the bottom of this in the most fair and transparent way. And the Australian police offered a $1 million reward for information leading to the conviction of Scott's murderer. His brother actually doubled the amount. How influential do you think the reward was? And how do we know if like, anyone has been awarded that money yet, if mm. it will ever be? Mm. 
Yes, look, that, that, that reward was record and significant. And, of course, Steve doubled it. Yeah. Um, he, he said, you know, I'll, I'll add to that. And the police force has confirmed that um, that a person who, an informant, a person who has given information may be eligible for, to claim part or okay. all of that reward. But the, the, the stars aligned because there has been so much about Scott's death. You know, it really has reached peak mainstream media, which has been great because it's been on people's minds. You know, I've written about it. Um, for the age and the Sydney Morning Herald, and we campaigned for a parliamentary inquiry in New South Wales, and we had record coronal inquests. We had Steve on the news telling his story and talking passionately about his brother. And then we had a police force that was slowly recognising that there were severe and significant injustices. And so yeah. all of that came together and, and we had this arrest. So that money played a big reward, but also we had the background of marriage equality um yeah you know a lot of factors yeah we have a lot of factors yeah uh new south wales police commissioner mick fuller said last week victims were let down by police and also even apologize for mistakes of the past uh he said the new south wales police force will never give up and that anybody out there who's committed such offenses should be looking over their shoulder it's now estimated i think up to 80 men were murdered by homophobic mm. gangs in and around sydney in the late 80s has this arrest raised hopes of solving other violent homophobic attacks from that same era yes it has and, and i think it's going to yeah um, that's good. You know, I, I i welcome the commissioner's statement it's really really nice to have a commissioner that's saying you know what we we made some mistakes and we apologize and now we're going to come and get these guys yeah. that is just so welcoming and the fact is that i think I think there's more than 80. You know, there are lots of numbers being, being like thrown around. Form, yeah. That's right. There's a lot. And there's a lot of really sad stories. I'm familiar with almost all of those stories. Mm. And I'm talking some really horrific deaths. Um, and there are murderers walking among us. Um, and some of those people have gone and set up families and created lives. And unfortunately um, for them, they need to face the full brunt of the law. Mm-hmm. And people sure. need to come forward. Mm. And wow! So since the arrest, people have called to overhaul the government's approach to hate crimes, saying that sort of without reform, more murders are going to start falling through the cracks or will fall through the cracks. Um, what sort of reform do we need to see in this space? Look, I think there's the New South Wales Police Force has a designated hate crimes unit, and I would expect Victoria Police would have a similar unit. And I, I guess it goes without saying that. This issue is not just Sydney or New South Wales. Yeah. Melbourne and Victoria have its, have their own Absolutely. Um, awful it's just the spotlights on Sydney at the moment. Yeah. That's right, exactly. So, you know, we there are lots of questions to be asked down in Victoria and we need to get there. But look, to answer the question, we, the hate crimes units need resources. They need um, men and women and members of the LGBT community in them, representative of of the people that they serve, that's one thing we need. And we also need to see members of our community in the senior ranks of police forces mm-hmm. so that um, they are representative of the diverse community that is the Australian community. But hate crimes units also need to ask the right questions and be able to spot the language, the body language, the verbal nods. You know, that I often say to people, if a hate crime is suspected, the people who would who'd be able to identify whether if it was a hate crime are often the people who knew the accused. So if, if someone is charged with an offence, 
their friends and family will probably know how that person speaks, yeah. what they believe in, mm. what they subscribe to, what they read, what they watch, um, which would all fill, fill in all of these questions you have about how they might approach their victim if their victim is a member of a minority. So a hate crimes unit should always pay respect to the psychology, um, to the science, um, and to research about what factors play into hate crimes and what to look for when investigating a hate crime. And there are some models out there from the UK. The FBI has a good model. Um, it's just a matter of resources. Mm, really interesting. Um, what sort of motivates you, Nick, to work in this sort of area? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I wasn't around during the time of hate crimes. I wasn't open and out and I certainly wasn't an adult. But when I was 14, I was working at a KFC store um, in my suburb, in Lane Cove, actually. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, and um, one night, it was a Saturday, Saturday night, and I just remember this, um, we had a relief manager come in from the King's Cross store. And anyone who knows King's Cross in Sydney, it's the, the, the place where all the, the lights are out and the yeah. gays are out and mm. um, members of the um, sex worker community are on the streets. Um, Anyway, he, he turned up and he was wearing the female uniform. In other words, he was wearing a pink shirt. Mm. The male managers wore blue and the female managers wore pink, but he wore the pink shirt. Wow. And that got everyone talking in the store. And he was the nicest guy. He was just so lovely. And I remember as a 14-year-old thinking, oh, I feel safe with you. You know, you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you seem really nice. And I was, it was, you know, I didn't really pick up on his sexuality. But then one of my colleagues in the store disclosed to me, he was just another kid at another high school, disclosed to me that he and his brother and his friends would go to Balmoral and Manly and um, the Northern Beaches looking for gay men who were going there to, in better commas, be alone, were his words, where he said that they would surprise them and bash them. What? And, yeah, it was absolutely crazy. And as a 14-year-old, I wasn't even... I wasn't out. I wasn't even identifying as gay. I didn't know what was up with me. Um, but that scared the hell out of me. And I think now as a kind of, you know, prominent member of the Sydney gay community um, with this amazing education and a great family that supported me, I can use all that for good and for justice. And, yeah, totally. um, and I think that's where I've tied it to, you know, and, and I've given so many interviews like this over the years and, and often I, you know, I, I cry afterwards because telling these stories are just so, it's so powerful and so deep and all of these people need, their legacy has to, has to be marked and they need to be recognised. Um, so I just want to do them justice. That's amazing. Absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Um, Nick, thank you so much for being with us. I'm sure our listeners will find this so enlightening and so interesting. Um, can people reach out to your firm if they're needing legal help in a friendly LGBT plus environment? Of course, yeah. Give us a call or send us an email and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty alive on social media and I'm happy to have a chat anytime. Great. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank okay, you. guys. Take it easy. <laughs> you too. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, we've got a bit of a open-ended meaty topic. Not a meaty tuck, but a meaty topic to talk <laughs> about topic. tonight. Because one of the scariest things about living through a pandemic is... I just realized how crazy it is that we're even talking about living through a yeah, pandemic. Remember yeah. when we did this show and it was like, how Regular funny's line. bottoming? And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who likes it? Now it's like favorite? depression. Yeah, like we're recording out of our attics. How do you douche lip sync? <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite lip sync? And now yeah. we're here being like, so it's terrifying being in a pandemic. But I mean, we did just chat a whole lot shit. about balancing shampoo bottles on your cock. But yes, yeah. I can see what you're Let saying. Let us have some joy. <laughs> it's, it's the light and the dark. But what yeah. I want to, something that really freaks me out and something that became really apparent to me through this pandemic was it really separates a lot of the community and it separates people into the haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes really apparent when you're a have not, if you don't have a job, if you even doing this show, I realized, you know, between the four of us, we've got different waves of us. Some of us are working. Some of us don't. Some of us are yeah. alone. Some of us have partners. Some of us have family. Mm. The things we have and the things we don't have become even more apparent. Yeah, and it's, it's been said true. plenty and plenty of times that minorities are either, even further repressed or struggle through a pandemic. Mm. It came to my attention that it was, um, I love say, I don't know if I say it properly, Ida Hobbit. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Do you say Ida Hobbit? It sounds like. It sounds like yeah, Idaho. well, it, was, it, was, it used to be Idaho Day, now it's Ida Hobbit Day. Yeah. Ida Hobbit. So, International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, and Transphobia was this month. Um, and they made a post which highlighted some pretty hard truths to swallow Mm. especially during this time where we're all kind of looking inwards a bit and i think we're and rightly so by the way i'm not judging or gunning anyone with this topic it's a discussion and i'd I'd love to hear how other people feel but if anything some of our rights uh lgbtqia plus rights have actually gone backwards Mm -hmm. in this pandemic and regressed and that there are still so many countries that criminalize homosexuality and if those countries it's actually getting worse and harder mm. to be mm. lesbian gay or transgender and um, there's different reasons for it as well i mean there are places where it's been done actively um mm. and, and and this has been used purposely to, uh, like sort of to do it behind a, a curtain i guess while everyone else is focused on this thing over here on this hand um there are places where where governments are doing some pretty awful things to a lot of minorities especially lgbti people even the philippines yeah and and look even but keep in mind that scott morrison tried to um push through the uh what are they calling religious discrimination discrimination bushfires and i I genuinely believe that had it had they had people not picked up on the fact that he was trying to push it through during the bushfires yeah we probably would have seen it get trying to be pushed through during this pandemic um Mm. if you've i don't know if you've read any of the excerpts or even malcolm turnbull's book in total but there's some pretty scary stuff in there about what malcolm turnbull says our prime minister 
thinks about our current Prime Minister Scott Morrison thinks about us. Yeah. So yes, it, yeah, it is. It is a being done on purpose by bad people. But then there's also the other side of it where where a lot of our wonderful activists and a lot of our wonderful organisations actually have so much to worry about with this pandemic that they don't have the time they need to be putting themselves. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of of people I know in Melbourne even that were so heavily involved in things like Mm -hmm. marriage equality, even heavily involved in things like this birth certificate um, for trans people that we were talking about earlier, who are now having no 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 income whatsoever because their bars mm. have been closed um and and they're having to go and and move in with their parents because their parents are too old to be going to the shops and that by themselves and things like that so our wonderful activists within our community are also tired and having to to look after number one a little bit and there's probably also i think a bit of a sorry i've just taken over from you but i think there's also a bit of a perception that we'll be okay for a little while like we think oh no it's okay if we don't if we don't worry about this for a little while we'll be fine yeah Um, Yeah. but as we said earlier you know when you saw the reaction of people like sally when they were able to um what seems like probably a small and trivial thing for a lot of people Mm. getting you know your, your um gender changed on your birth certificate when you see the um amazing reaction that has for people we realize that these small little things that we feel like we can just put off are actually really important and we and we do need to keep focusing on them and we can't just keep saying oh we'll we'll focus on them after this so i don't know i don't know how we do that i don't know how we balance obviously looking after ourselves during a pandemic whilst also being worried about our wider community being socially conscious yeah yeah whilst protecting yourself and i think exactly there's there's this weird sort of dumb idea Mm. that that a disease doesn't like uh, that a pandemic affects us all equally, mm. um, which is a different type of equality, and it's not true because the LGBT community is more at risk to be mm. affected by this pandemic by the things that Tom's talking about. We, we, we uh, a huge part of our community works in the arts or mm-hmm. uh, performers, so right off the bat, there financially, our community has been heavily affected by this mm-hmm. pandemic. And then there's people who were already on the fringe of marginalized, so the trans community, who were, you know, in certain countries targeted by enforcement, law enforcement, and uh, this makes it even easier for them to be targeted. Absolutely. Um, through stupid, there's some horror stories out there because they use the the guys of you know were were patrolling the 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 social distancing laws but it's very targeted it's very targeted and even in like certain countries where they're doing well men can leave on certain days and women can leave on other days to do shopping or to do whatever that leaves out our entire trans community whatsoever and it makes them like easier targets for those abusive sort Mm. of powers that are in play to attack those people which is horrendous that this is even happening. Mm. I used the word equality before talking about the pandemic. It's starting to feel like a step forward, a step back, two steps yeah. forward, one step back. Do you still have this hope and dream for true equality at one day in our future? Like, is that something that you realistically believe in as an individual? To spill the true tea? Where we live specifically, we are obviously in a very privileged position. We're recording a podcast. Girl. Yeah, we're that's privileged it. Like, privileged. We're lucky that we get to stay at home and we get like Centrelink payments and shit like that. But like real true equality on every single level, I just don't think that we're going to see in our lifetime. I definitely think that we are sort of getting closer and closer to it being in a Western society. Yeah. But I think 
don't globally. you get a bit pissed off like when you for for me personally when i start seeing sort of the racial vilification pop back up mm. so things like the video at the victoria markets where some teenagers were beating the shit out of an asian woman you oh, know what? and and you go fuck i thought we moved I thought we already done did this yeah, yeah we already like, done did this girl like aren't we past this shit yeah, but we but i think the idea is and and that's what a lot of us said you know a lot of people that were fighting for marriage equality weren't fighting for it for themselves it was for future generations to grow up knowing that they were equal at least in that respect to to their classmates and whatever so i feel like i have to imagine that there is going to be a utopian future where mm. there is true equality i hope that at least domestically we might get that legally but the thing is even if we do get it domestically in a legal sense um it's still not going to be true equality because for the people that are already alive and the people that have already lived through these traumatic experiences Mm. um they're going to carry that trauma with them forever and then they're already at a disadvantage that's not going to put them on an equal playing field no just by changing laws and that sort of thing it does definitely help and it's a great thing to to work towards but people that are still carrying around in the same way that we we're we're very privileged to be born the when we were born and not 50 years earlier. Um, I hope that the people born 50 years after us are going to be a lot more privileged than we are. I I, I hope that for them. What privilege? (laughs) You know, using the word legal is very important there too, because I think Mm -hmm. the word, I think equality is such a like values based, like ethereal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And in my honest opinion, I think at some point, maybe not my lifetime, but maybe, Kyle's children's lifetime, <laughs> uh, a sense of legal equality mm. may be achievable, but this kind of like we're all the same yeah. human mentality kind of mm. holistic view of spiritual equality. I don't, I'm not sure we'll ever reach those sort of pinnacles, but yeah. I, I honestly don't think you can really change people. I think you can mm-hmm. change the laws and, and yeah. I think you can change the standards. And I think that's a very important step in changing public opinion. I think once you've yeah. changed law, I put it this way, if you don't change the laws then people's opinions aren't going to change because they're going to say, well, hang on, it says yeah. here that you're not as worthy as me to, mm. to, to as a human being. So it's, that validates my feelings. Mm-hmm. If you can at least take the legal side of, uh, out of it, then that's one less thing for their feelings to sort of be based on, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's like about diluting people like in the future, like because the old people with these views are like going to die out. And like, it's just there's so many young people now who are so woke and current with the times and everything like that. So I feel like if these people are making children and instilling these values and beliefs into their children, it's going to eventually weed out the hate and horrible. Yeah, people. but sadly, <laughs> you see some footage of 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 the people like the, that yeah. um, Luke was talking about at Victoria Markets and you, you you discover that there are actually, sadly, a lot of young people that have taken on the beliefs of their parents that are pretty hateful. Yeah. The way I see it, we live in a, in, in a world where a third of Poland has declared itself to be an LGBT-free zone. That's which is which absolutely is, insane. Yeah. Like, and I, I could see a future where that sort of rhetoric would be illegal. Yeah. Mm. I could see laws coming in place that would regulate that as hate speech, for example, and I can see that as something that would help lift our legal equality. Yeah. But would those people living there ever feel equal to their peers yeah. and colleagues? I don't I mean, know. Places like Turkey, like 
firing gas into like uh, like tear gas into pride marches and like mm. I think even like like official people in the government blaming LGBTQ people for the whole coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. yeah, so it's ridiculous. More likely that Bill Gates did it than <laughs> a homosexual. <laughs> and even that's Probably. not very fucking likely. I'm sorry. Well, going back to the blame game sort of thing, like. <laughs> Obviously, like, Korea have done really, really well in suppressing the virus. They've done a really, really good job, but they had, like, another sort of sort of resurgence of it in a place called Itaewon. It's, like, where the gay hub is in that country. And then this Christian newspaper group came forward and was just like, well, it's the gays. The gays did it. Mm. They've created it. Mm. They're the ones spreading it. Always the gays The gays are revolting. Being gay isn't illegal in Korea whatsoever, but there is no discrimination, like, protection laws whatsoever. Like, they can't get married, nothing like that. So, like, these newspapers have been given free reign to just go for it and just be like, yep, all these gay people, it's them. And even, like, the gay people that have contracted the virus, they've been named and shamed in their local newspapers, which is just like what like you can't be doing this to people i don't understand it's very reminiscent of of fred nile during the aids epidemic and that sort of thing and we've seen that in western culture before this is not a new thing and sadly it is something there will be far right extremists that will say shit like that um Mm. while they can and and to try and spread fear and that's pretty awful but do you feel equal no no no. no, I think I'm too old to ever feel equal. I think yeah. no matter what it's rules change here, wrong, I don't. Yeah. I would not feel comfortable going to a football match. I don't feel comfortable catching public oh, transport. No. Yeah. Um, I f- that's why I live in the inner city of Melbourne because that's where I feel safe. Mm, um, a bubble. And that's why I guess a lot of our community lives in bubbles is because we don't feel equal compared yeah. to a lot of the community. Absolutely. You know, within my mm. bubble, I feel pretty equal, but I... Yeah, totally. To my mm. peers and colleagues, but at the same time, I've had to teach myself how to feel that way. You know, sometimes you got to, what is it called? Fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah. Do you know how people say that? And and For sometimes sure. I feel like I have to believe in myself that I have equal rights to everyone out there. I'm allowed to be where I am. I'm allowed to be as yeah. loud as I am so that I can have my voice and mm. so I can be visible at least inside yeah. of myself, feel like you are equal to everyone else. I, so that's a complicated way of answering the question. Mm. Yeah. Great. So that's all we have for you tonight. Um, or whenever you listen to this damn podcast. No, you can that. only listen to it at <laughs> night time. This is a nighttime show. Ooh. Tonight for our after show, we're going to be discussing Tom of Finland and Ooh. all his artwork. So stay with us. Tom of Finland around. is just Tom doing an accent for 20 minutes. Yeah. In the after show. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to pay their seven bucks like the and be like... chef from the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, people are going to tune in and be like, this isn't the Tom of Finland chat. Wee <laughs> oh, wee. Oui, oui. And thanks so much for being patient with us while we've uh, had a couple of weeks off. Um, I know you've probably been gagging for content to listen to <laughs> while you're at home, but we honestly just, we needed it. Uh, we all, you know, as we were saying before, everyone needs to look after themselves, but we are thrilled to be back recording again and yeah. can't wait to, to be with you in your ears next Saturday. But until then, bye. 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 Kyle, can I talk to you after the show, please? Sorry, I've got plans. <laughs> Kyle, I need to have a word. Does, does Where's this, the mute button? Does this podcast have breakout rooms? Can can I
chat to Kyle separately. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 